The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the Business Locker Room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, great to have you on board the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining us. Show number 33 as we roll into cold weather as well here in mid-America. They're talking about teens tonight. That should be a lot of fun. I was in Dallas yesterday, and it was 81 degrees. Today it's 32, going to be in the teens tonight. Only in the Midwest do you see uh, these kinds of ridiculous moves in, uh, in the weather, at least in terms of temperatures. Hey, thanks for joining us, the Business Locker Room. You can find us at bizlockerroom.com. Always encourage you to give us a follow at Kelly Riggs is my Twitter handle. And of course, if you've got some input on the show, questions, uh, some idea about guests in the future, somebody you'd like to hear, send me an email. Kelly at Biz Locker Room. It is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business. Starting today, absolutely no need to wait, especially given the, the guests that we have on. Last week, what a spectacular show last week with Michael Lee Stallard. Really enjoyed having him on as we talked about his brand new book, Connection Culture. And we talked about culture and leadership and some other things. Encourage you to check that out. Subscribe to the podcast, by the way. If you don't listen live, you can always get it on iTunes or re-listen to it. Good stuff. If you want to take notes and get some of the ideas and put them on paper and use them in your business. But you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and want to ask you to go on iTunes, find us, subscribe to it, but leave a rating and review. Man, that really helps us a lot. And uh, in fact, if you leave a rating and review this week, if you're listening live or on the podcast, send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. I'll send you both of my books absolutely free, no postage, no anything, just to make sure we get somebody out there doing it. Great show on tap for you today. And like we always say, if you're a sales rep or a manager, an executive, a business owner, an entrepreneur, maybe you just have interest in marketing, social media, business strategy. This is the show for you. Today, we're going to orient our show around marketing and branding and branding identity. And I'm really excited to uh, have someone that I know come on the show. His name is Josh Miles. And Josh is the founder and president of Miles Design. And they do a lot of great things there. Uh, in terms of working on branding and strategy and design for professional services firms. More importantly, Josh has recently written a book called Bold Brand. I want to suggest you pick that up if you have any interest in differentiation, branding, or marketing for your professional services firm. 
make sure you check it out. Uh, he is a longtime member of AIGA, the Professional Association for Design. He's a member of SMPS, the Society for Marketing Professional Services, as am I, by the way, and that's how I got to know Josh Miles. And we're going to talk. We're going to talk branding and marketing, and we're going to talk about his book as well. Josh, fantastic to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us in the business locker room. Kelly, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Man, I I got your book some time ago, as you know. Bold Brand, I think, is a fantastic read, and there's a lot of great stuff in there. You talk about branding and strategy and design, and and you're oriented around professional services firms. What all does that encompass? Yeah, so we work with a lot of different types of professional services firms. Of course, in the SMPS world, we work with a lot of folks in the kind of oriented to construction. So we work with architects, interior designers, engineers, and construction managers. Um, Really, all of these uh, professional services firms, not so different from the types of business problems that you know, law firms or accountants or even uh, computer programming consultants might have, you know, very similar types of business problems and, uh, you know, a long history of um, until recently, none of those firms ever really marketed themselves. So uh, relatively speaking, marketing for professional services is a pretty new thing. No question. Many people, I'm sure, especially those in professional services, know this already, but those outside of it, and, and there actually was an ethical uh, part of the business in professional services that prevented them from doing that. Uh, I don't want to say it was uh, illegal, but even in some ways, like for instance, an attorney, there was limitations legally on what they, how they could represent themselves in their, their marketing and advertising. Yeah, and even state by state today, attorneys still have some pretty rigorous um, restrictions on how they're able to uh, market themselves. And, you know, in some states they have to actually label that this is an advertisement and that services may be performed by others and all kinds of um, things that we'll probably look back in a few years and think are sort of silly. But, um, you know, still a lot of uh, ground to be made, I think, in some of those areas. Well, certainly a lot harder to hide today, especially if you're involved in some some shenanigans. I mean, you know, with social media, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that uh, as well. Josh Miles is my guest. He is the founder, president of Miles Design, also the author of Bold Brand. By the way, find him online at boldbrand.com and follow him on Twitter as I do at Josh Miles. Let's talk a little bit about the book. You um, you talk you talk about brand strategy. And where, where does where does that concept begin, uh, Josh? If I'm if I'm getting started with a particular firm and we start to talk brand strategy, where where do we start? I think it's really at the heart. It's about um, differentiating what your firm is about, what your brand is about, and determining how you want to be perceived uh, by the market. So understanding how you want to differentiate and really position your business in the market, I think, is is at the heart of brand strategy. So you're suggesting that I can be intentional about changing or initiating a particular brand identity. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, many people will say, well, brand is sort of out of your hands. It's sort of what the market thinks about you. And I, I think that's part true. You know, part of it is certainly how the market sees you. And part of it is how you want to be seen by the market. And I think in the best case, you take those things that you think are great about your own firm, your own company, and you look at how the market sees you and where you find those areas 
that start to overlap, when you see those similarities and those consistencies, I think those are things that can become really sticky from a messaging standpoint. So it's a lot easier to, um, you know, pitch your business in a certain way if it's something the market is already saying about you, which is sort of how we came to our own positioning. Well, it's interesting because there's this concept or this perception, rather, that uh, branding is is all about colors and logos and imagery, and certainly that's a part of the whole branding identity process. But it is much more than that, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, obviously, that's a very visual part of it. Um, something that people would probably recognize as they see it. You know, they see that certain shade of blue or red and think of a certain brand. Um, but we look at things, I think, in a different order where, where some might say, okay, here's this, this cool design, this cool logo, and now let's try to figure out what the company stands for. So we come at this from a little different angle, try to work through the strategy piece of it first. You know, sit down with all the stakeholders within a firm and say, okay, let's, let's do an overall audit of this brand. Let's look at what all the touch points are and let's um, talk to all of the stakeholders and make sure we're hearing from everybody all those unique points of view at the beginning and determine really how do we want to position that brand. And I think once we have um, that u- unique differentiator and positioning idea, then we can start to build in some language, the voice of the brand. You know, what does it sound like when I read the words that the brand has? You know, what's the website sound like? Does it sound like consistently the same voice? And I think when you have positioning and voice right, it's a lot easier to have those visuals dead on. So the, you know, the logo, the colors, the look and feel of the brand makes a lot more sense when you've got your strategy straight from the beginning. Yeah, no question about it. You know, an interesting sort of illustration for me is is Chick-fil-A. Clearly, everyone recognizes the name and the graphics of the name and the cow and all of those kinds of things. But uh, clearly, it's it's much more than that. It's the way they serve the customer and, and the, the, the links they will go to to provide that kind of service. That certainly is a big part of the brand. And I would suggest that if they didn't have that part of the brand, the rest might be in danger. Yeah, and you know, I always love the sort of the the lighthearted air of their headlines. The you know, we didn't invent the the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. So I mean, that kind of stuff starts to give you an idea for uh, you know, kind of how they see themselves and um, kind of as a as a leader in that concept, and and also not taking themselves too seriously. My guest again is Josh Miles. You can find him at boldbrand.com. Uh, which is where you'll see his book and uh, get the opportunity to sort of preview that. In your book, uh, you and I intersect. I do a lot of sales training. You're on the marketing side, but we intersect in some areas. One of those areas is differentiation. And in your book, you tell the frog story. And I would like I would like for you to share that with the audience because I think I think it's a great great story and illustration of of how positioning and differentiation work. All right. Well, you're going to have to go with me in the in the Wayback Machine. So I was on my first day of uh, my senior year of high school in my uh, English class, and our instructor's in the back of the room, and it was one of those rooms where you don't even know he's there because the lights were kind of down and everybody's talking, and you kind of realize, oh, it's time to be quiet. The, the teacher's here, and he's annoyed, and so everybody kind of was quiet very quickly all at once, and um, he just sat back in the in the corner of the room and he said, "I'm thinking of a frog." And everybody just sort of looked at each other like, uh, <laughs> "Wow, that's <laughs> what did he say?" Yeah, that's out there. 
And and so somebody was brave enough to say, you know, it's like an amphibian. It's webbed feet, hops around. And he was like, yes, that is a frog. But I'm afraid that's not the frog I was thinking of. So we're all trying to decide, like, what, well, uh, I don't know, it's Kermit the frog, like the puppet? Yes, that is a frog, but that's not the frog I was thinking of. Um, so then I, I think it was like our violin player, you know, raises his hand and says, hey, what about that thing on my bow? That thing at the end of my violin bow, that's called a frog, that little piece where the hardware meets. Ah, yes, that is a frog. But I'm afraid that's still not the... And this story went on for like the entire hour, the entire class period. Nobody could guess what the frog was. And the bell rang and everybody left. And we were a little confused. So the next day, the lights are up. <laughs> this guy's our, getting paid to do this, right? <laughs> You're sitting there going, Did that, really? That, you get paid to sit back there and do that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so the, the next day, we come back and the lights are up and the teacher says... Um, okay, today we're going to talk about Chaucer. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to tell us about the frog story. Like, what, what was the frog? What, what frog were you thinking of? And he said, you've, you've completely missed the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise was not guess which frog I was thinking of. The point is, in my class and in life, you have to be really clear about what you mean. So even a word as seemingly obvious as frog you have to be really specific to make sure that your audience or your reader knows exactly what you're talking about. And I think from a positioning standpoint, it's, it's the ex- exact same idea. You know, just because you say consultant or say engineer or say technically proficient, like your audience doesn't necessarily know what you're talking about. No question about it. And the, the interesting thing is when we talk about professional services firms is if anyone is guilty of succumbing to a lack of differentiation. Many times it is the architect, the engineer, the construction individual because they tend to answer the question, who are you, very similarly. Well, we're engineers. We're electrical engineers. We're uh, structural engineers, those kinds of things, providing absolutely no differentiation whatsoever. And, and I'm sure you see it as, as much as I do when, when asked, what is it that you do? You're left with very little in terms of imagination because there's just not a lot there. And, and therefore, many of these people find themselves in a commoditized market simply because they're not giving people the opportunity to interpret those words any differently whatsoever. Yeah, I think so many times these folks that find themselves feeling like a commodity, you know, a lot of times they're probably guilty of putting themselves in that position. So when you when you play the cover up the logos game and your your website copy or your proposal copy sounds just like the three other people who are bidding on the same project, you know, it's really tough to stand out and make a compelling argument why somebody should pay more for you, why why you should stand out, why you should be shortlisted ahead of time. You know, why why should you cost more? But it's interesting. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment, Josh. Maybe put you on the spot a little bit. I mean, I'm an engineering firm. You're consulting with me. We're talking branding and design and strategy and those things, identity. And I say, come on, Josh. I mean, we're engineers. I mean, what do you say or do differently? Okay, you're going to give us a cute color and a little different logo. People are going to see it on my business card, my website, but big deal. How does that make me different? And why am I paying you all this money for positioning and branding strategy when we're just engineers. Yeah, so I I think there's, you know, certainly that argument, but I I think having a compelling position in the market and having something that 
uniquely differentiates your firm is not just something that I think prospects respond to. I think it's also something that prospective employees respond well to. So having something that becomes really like the heartbeat of your business, of your organization, um, you know, becomes a, a rallying cry that people can stand behind and, and helps not only build business, but build culture. Yeah, I think it's true. You know, my way of approaching it many times from the sales perspective is in, in meeting with people at different professional services firms is to ask them a very simple question. Why should I buy from you? I, I think that's the question. If people cannot answer that, they really don't have a sense of their identity anyway. Unfortunately, the typical answer to that is completely wrong. People will say, well, we have great quality or we have great service or uh, you know, we've done lots of these kinds of projects very successfully. But to your point, that's what everybody would say. And if you if you play the cover up the logos game, then you really do begin to look like a, a, a commoditized product. Yeah, it, when that when that answer starts to sound like a generic mission statement, you know you're not done yet. You know, if it's a, if it's about quality or our people or on time or because we just care the most or we're passionate about it, you know, those are. Those are what I call mission statement answers, and they're things that everybody can agree with, and everybody can say, yeah, those are great things, but it's not enough for you to be different. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about awareness. You make, you make the point in the book that awareness takes many shapes, and, and certainly every company, if they're in business, has some kind of awareness. It may not be all good or all bad, but we want to talk about the different types of awareness and how they impact an organization and, and, and the way they respond based on what their awareness is. You talk about being people being unaware of you. You're talking about unfavorable awareness. You're talking about limited awareness. Do, do those variations in awareness change the way you approach branding and messaging? Yeah, they do. I mean, our favorite types of um, brands to work with are organizations where, man, they've got a great team. They've got a great culture. Clients love them, but they're just having a horrible job communicating to people outside of their current team and clients who they are and what they're about. Um, so to, to help that type of um, really strong organization to you know, improve their outward appearance and improve how they market themselves and improve how the uh, external market sees them, um, you know, those are honestly, those are the easiest projects to do because you're working with, with a really great product or service to begin with. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Josh Miles is our guest. We're going to take a time out uh, when we come back. We're going to talk much more about branding and messaging, and we're going to move our conversation over into the social media realm, which is interesting when you begin to look at it from a professional services company's viewpoint, but Josh has much to say about that, and we'll jump in the middle of social media, why it's important, or perhaps it's not. You'll have to stick around and find out. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. 
Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Yeah, welcome back to The Business Locker Room, the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business starting today. We're online speaking with Josh Miles. Find him at boldbrand.com. He's the founder and the principal of uh, Miles Design. I've been saying president. Is it president or principal or both? A little sure, bit of I'll everything. Any of uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, coming up uh, in the next segment, we'll be joined by Miles Austin, the Web Tools guy, as we do every week, the X's and O's segment. And I don't know how I let him con me into it, but we're going to talk about Amazon S3 and why, for some odd reason, he thinks it's important for our listeners to know about it. Now, I, if, you know, uh, if you know Miles, there is a good reason to talk about it, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, always is. Uh, the X's No segment is brought to you by 4D Sales and much to talk about with them as well. Josh, uh, as we went on break, we talked about uh, social media. But before we get there, we, we said we we're going to get into that whole topic. But before we get there, you talk about in your book, Bold Brand, you talk about the idea of a, a voice and having an ownable voice. Give us some clarity in terms of what you have in mind when you talk about a company's voice. Yeah, Kelly, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, when we were talking before about positioning and differentiation, I think voice is really the first place that you start to express uh, that position in the market. So um, the way we start voice out sometimes is just with a description and helping with some adjectives. So talking to a company about, okay, do you think your brand is is clever? Is it lighthearted? Is it really expert? Is it serious? Is it playful? You know, is it a smart aleck? You know, there's, there's a lot of different um, sort of personalities that your, your brand can take on. And I think determining where you want to go from a voice direction um, is a good way to figure that out. So a lot of times that expresses itself in, you know, maybe what are some headlines or taglines or, even looking at some of the longer form copy, you know, what's what's the homepage on your website sound like? What's the about us page sound like? And if I if I just read a snippet of copy from your brand, you know, would I recognize it as you? 
And you oh, use yeah. that you use that example in the book. And Emma is one of those software packages that is much like Constant Contact that others have uh, you, you use for email marketing and those kinds of things. But th- their logo is sort of whimsical, and I guess that's the kind of company that they are, based on your explanation of it. And what you're saying is is that everything that goes into what a company looks like and sounds like should be congruent. It really should have the same message throughout. That that's what voice is. Yeah, it should really have all those things that that work well together. So, so voice is is uh, you know can literally be the spoken or or written word around your brand. Um, you know, Emma has always had this thing when you when you go to log in as a user, it says, "Welcome back, person of style." So you know, there's just sort of a different cadence to to how they talk to their users and their customers, and sort of um, congratulate you for being smart and stylish enough to to use their product. You know, we uh, we talk about social media, and, I, and this is kind of something that I've anticipated in discussing with you because we, again, we intersect in uh, the AEC world, architects, engineers, and construction companies. Uh, you, you talk about the fear of social media, the five fears of social media in the book. Why, why, why is there a fear of social media, and why do we see it in professional services firms? You know, I think it's interesting. I've been working with professional services firms now for, well, longer than social media has really been a marketing thing, but um, I, there's, there's been this steady pushback, and I think a lot of firms are coming around. I think, um, interestingly enough, law firms have kind of led the way and doing more cutting-edge things with social, but I think most people have the, um, the most large concern that people have is if I am, quote-unquote, wasting time on social media, are my are my customers, are my prospects even going to see it? Are they ever going to hear anything from me? And I think a lot of people confuse the idea of, you know, the big uh, enterprises or lumbering organizations that their clients might work at. You know, the, the organization is not the person. So, uh, you know, my parents and uh Grandmas and grandpas all over this country have Facebook pages, and you know they're getting on Twitter. And they're today's Cyber Monday. Everybody's you know burning all kinds of office hours today online, looking for the greatest deals, and they're using social media to find that stuff. So I think it's it's a huge mistake to think just because I work for this giant organization doesn't mean that I'm not active and not present in social. Yeah, and when you say social media, do you limit yourself to you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, those kinds of things, or does it also encompass the totality of your website and your blog and, and other content generation pieces? Yeah, I guess I would probably start to call website and content uh, and blog-related stuff more more content marketing or digital marketing elements where, um, you know, we mentioned Emma a minute ago. I think email marketing is is an incredibly powerful tool to have in your toolbox as well. Unfortunately, most people don't use it very well. They send the dreaded monthly newsletter that has a whole bunch of about us, me, 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 me kind of copy in it. Um, but I, I think all of those things working together, whether it's your your social channels like, you know, Probably in the professional services world, LinkedIn is probably one of your hardest working channels. Um, and depending on what market you're in, Twitter is probably number two, and Facebook might be a really great, um, you know, top of mind sort of awareness channel for for friends and family and, and employees and, and their extended friends. 
Josh Mild joins us here in the business locker room. He is the author of Bold Brand. He works a lot with AEC Industries. That's architects, engineers, and construction or contractors. I, I am a part of SMPS as you are. I sit on the foundation board. They recently completed uh, a, a nice research project that came out in a book called The Decade Ahead. One of the things that we found out from the from the qualitative research done in that book is that more and more people who use professional services firms, the architects, the engineers, the construction industry, they're finding those people online before they even go to the RFP stage of their business. They're actually getting a better sense of the people that are out there. And and I would suspect that that puts a lot of emphasis now on the kind of presence that people have online in professional services firms and on how they use social media to gain that attention. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is, you know, uh, professional services world has been and will continue to be a very relationship-driven industry. So the interesting thing, though, is that that's exactly what social media is great at, is relationships. So it's not just about showing up on Twitter and doing info dumps and, you know, blabbing out all the stuff about you, but actually creating relationships and managing relationships and having conversations with people and, you know, occasionally leading people to really good pieces of content or occasionally, you know, maybe a little little brag on yourself. But I, I think it's a combination of those things. And um, I think it's this industry is prime with its relationship uh, leaning to to do really really well in social media. Yeah, I agree with that. And and the interesting thing is, is it gives you the opportunity to very specifically target market to very specific pieces of the market itself. And those kinds of tools many times were were much more difficult to to have and and much more expensive to use. And one one of the real nice things about social media is the barrier to entry is zero. I mean, there's just nothing to prevent you from becoming much more active in targeted marketing via social media. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the tip that I always give um, professional services firms, if they're just getting started out in social, man, at the very least, get a really nice LinkedIn profile up there. So that's a really simple tool. And unlike... um, you know, where Facebook and Twitter tend to be more of what I call the social social waterfall, where if you post it, if nobody's watching in the next three seconds, your post is gone. You know, LinkedIn posts tend to hang out a little bit longer. You tend to get a little bit more life out of them. Um, and having a really strong profile that helps support um, and validate uh, what you and your firm is best at, I think, is a, is a really good place to start. Yeah, and frankly, most people, even though they may have LinkedIn profiles, I'm not sure they do that as well as they should. Josh, is that an area that you get in and help companies with? Yeah, so we don't uh, advocate um, impersonating our clients online, so so we don't take over their Twitter handles and, and tweet for them, but we certainly help them um, from a strategy standpoint and from a brand identity standpoint. So helping our clients uh, figure out, okay, how is it we're going to use these social tools? And, you know, heaven forbid we're going to send all this traffic to our website and then push them away to YouTube, you know, because you're, you know, one click away from kitten videos and then you're never getting them back. But, <laughs> so you know, true. figuring out how you want to use those social tools and how those could be effective to really send traffic from social media 
back to your website, back to your really deep, great content, or you know, building a subscriber base. You know, those are much smarter ways of using those tools. Yeah, no, no question about it. this. The professional services industry that that we spend a lot of time in, uh, again, the AEC industry space, is a very visually driven. You know, we were talking about uh, contracting and building spectacular buildings or bridges or, you know, whatever it may be, the architecture behind that. Many people use tremendous visuals in their presentations and so forth. But one of the social media tools that doesn't get talked about quite as much is Flickr. And you have a, a great brand story in your book, Bold Brand, about TKO Graphics and how they used a Flickr gallery uh, to really move the needle in terms of revenue. Why don't you share that with the audience? Yeah, so um, this has been a few years back, but TKO had just, you know, honestly just posted a portfolio gallery. And I, I think while Flickr was really hot a couple of years ago, I don't know that it's you know, completely gone away. It's still a relevant tool out there. Today, you might see this more likely to happen either uh, on a blog post or on Pinterest or maybe Instagram. There's so many great photo sharing tools, but TKO had basically posted uh, all these examples of vehicle wraps that they had done um, in their history. They just crank out a ton of these things. And they got this lead through the web who completely found them by doing a web search. They had a a project that was in their local market, and it was too big for their company to handle, and they needed a a partner to help outsource a huge piece of this project um, and ended up pulling in this huge corporate client. And uh, I think it was ended up totaling uh, closer to $2 million once the deal was all said and done. Yeah, and it leads me to the question. I'm glad you mentioned that one of the reasons Flickr is not as – uh, talked about is it's it's sort of hit its peak and and uh, and I think I agree with you that it's not where it used to be and yet you've got you've got Pinterest and Instagram and other tools like this one one of the challenges I think people run into Josh is listen from a marketing standpoint from a brand identity standpoint which one of these things should we even be using I mean it seems like every day there's a new social media tool of some sort that comes out. And I'm still trying to figure out LinkedIn and Facebook for crying out loud. And now I've got all of these other things. How do you tend to look at that? And how do you use those in your work? So I I think there's two ways. I mean, one, we look at it from the standpoint of from our vantage, we need to understand what all the tools are. and We need to understand how to use them. So we tend to dabble more than I would ever recommend one of our clients do. Um, you know, we're in the process of checking out the new LO, which is kind of a, a Facebook competitor, ELLO. It's still under private invite right now. So we just got a few invites to that here in the last few weeks. And so we're, we're kind of poking around with that, figuring out how we'll use that perhaps mm-hmm. in the future. Um, but, you know, when I, I, we talk to our professional services clients, we say, look, you can't possibly do everything. So that's why the strategy is so important. You know, who are, who are we trying to reach? Let's think about who those audiences are and who those, you know, those marketing persona types are. Do they hang out on Facebook? Are they on YouTube watching videos? And if not, maybe we shouldn't focus a whole lot of energy on uh, posting things on YouTube. So, um, you know, for instance, like I said before, LinkedIn is what we always recommend as a good starting place. So if you've got professionals talking to other professionals and trying to hire professionals, LinkedIn is a really no-brainer place to start. Um, other great places to build content and build presence, of course, is just building more stuff out on your blog, having more content on your own domain, on a property that you own, not on property that somebody else owns is, a, is another really great place to build. 
Yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, just a couple of minutes before we take our uh, our final time out, but I wanted to ask you, if I'm a professional services firm, clearly if I need help, it makes sense to call Miles Design. And you guys can, can find, again, find Josh at boldbrand.com and at milesdesign.com. I believe, I, don't I have that right, milesdesign.com? Yep. So uh, here's the question, though. The big $64,000 question for me is, how do I know if I need your services, Josh. Give me a sense of uh, what what some of the indicators would be that it's time to pick up the phone and have a conversation with you. Yeah, so some of the most common things that we see are when new partners are taking over as principals in an older firm. So you're looking at a firm that's been around for a while. It's got a reputation. It's got maybe kind of an aging look and feel. And maybe the reputation is is aging as well. So how do you freshen up that firm and make it something that not only is going to attract prospects, but also attract hot talent. You know, you want those new people coming out of school or the up-and-coming people, future principals and partners, you want those guys to want to come work for you. So how do you exude that brand and that, that look and feel that you want? So if that's a pain that you're, you're dealing with, that's a pretty good sign. You know, also bringing on new partners or changing ownership or really changing focus. You know, if you've kind of grown in or grown out of new services, um, maybe it's a time to look at how you're positioning your brand. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, especially if, as you you put it earlier, maybe we just feel a little bit stale. Josh Miles has been our guest. We're going to take our final time out. Josh, just absolutely fantastic stuff. Again, folks, want to really encourage you to check out his website. Check out what they do, milesdesign.com. Follow Josh on Twitter, Josh is uh, a guy that needs to be added to your your wealth of knowledge if you're a business owner, if you're in the AEC space in particular, at Josh Miles on Twitter. And uh, I want to highly encourage you to order his book as well, Bold Brand. Josh, thanks for joining us in the business locker room. Great stuff. Kelly, my pleasure. All right, we'll see you next time. We're going to take that time out. We'll come back on the other side. Miles Austin, the web tools guy, he'll be along to tell us about Amazon S3, the services that are available there and how you can use them in your business. Can't wait to get there. Brought to you by 4D Sales. Stay with us. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. And welcome back to the Business Locker Room. Josh Miles, what a wonderful interview that was. And uh, no kidding, it's a great book, uh, especially if you're in the AEC space. You want, you want to have that in your library. Give Josh a call. Find him again at boldbrand.com or milesdesign.com is uh, where his firm is. Uh, we welcome in Miles Austin as a part of the X's and O's segment. We do it every week, and it is uh, where we talk about web tools and tools that will make you more productive, more effective, more efficient. Brought to you, as always, by 4D Sales, our proud partner in uh, the X's and O's segment. This is a tablet-based sales tool. You can use it on your iPad or your Windows 8 tablet, and it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I had breakfast this morning uh, with one of the partners at 4D Sales, Brian Carpenter, and we were talking about some significant changes, upgrades that they have made to the product. And they now have an enterprise-wide uh, product available in the cloud. Makes it very easy to use. I'm excited about it. Go check them out, 4dsales.com. Listen, I've been, I've been in the sales and marketing consulting business for, for, for a long, long time. Mostly on the sales side, some on the marketing side, uh, a lot on the marketing strategy side in terms of go-to-market planning. But this is one of those no-brainer kind of tools. You use it when you're showing who you are and what you do, and you have everything that you need at your disposal. It can be your slide decks, your web pages, even videos and brochures and price lists and every other thing. And now the nice thing about the cloud-based enterprise product that they have is that I can have all of those things updated and push them out to the individual representatives or distributors that are using 4D sales on their tablets. So if we have a change in a price list, I just make a change in the cloud and everybody has it. They don't have to do anything. They don't even have to worry about it. So much control over making sure that every one of your people is consistent in the way they represent your company, and it certainly makes sales calls fantastic. Miles, I know you're a fan, and uh, I, I suspect you can see the advantage of the, of, uh, the, the new iteration of the 40 sales tool. Absolutely. Uh, centralized distribution, keeping everyone constant and updated is always a problem. If you can do it centrally and never have to have your reps deal with it, that's a miracle. Tell uh, Brian and the team thanks and great job. Yeah, no doubt about it. I can remember as a sales manager so many times having a, a post-sales conversation, sales call conversation with a rep saying, why don't you have the new brochure? <laughs> you know, those, those things go completely away now if, uh, if you're using that tool, 4dsales.com. Well, X's and O's this week, we're talking Amazon S3. And this is where I hand the microphone over to you, Mr. Austin, and say, uh, what is it all about? Again, uh, before we get started, find Miles at fillthefunnel.com, and uh, he's he's must-reading for any salesperson, e- even any business owner out there. Make sure you follow him online as well on Twitter, Miles Austin, at Miles Austin. S3 from Amazon. What's it for? Great question, Kelly. I'll tell you, what's it for? It's for anything, and we've just obviously finished that series on video, so it fits right into it, actually. Yes. Amazon S3 is one of a massive family of products for online services from Amazon. It's a part of what they call the AWS or Amazon Web Services platform. And S3 is their storage portion that's designed for you and I. It's designed for individuals all the way up to really big companies. And what it, just look at it. It's basically 
a cloud storage capability that has truly unlimited scale, performance, and speed for anything that you want to store on the web. All right, so but I've got uh, Box, I've got Dropbox, uh, I, I've even got Evernote and things like that. I mean, where does it fit into the pantheon of things that are available to a guy like me or to, to any company for that matter? Sure. Let me give you just kind of a fun little tidbit. Guess where Dropbox stores all of their data, which is actually your data? <laughs> Amazon, Amazon S3. S3. Sure, okay. Dropbox uses them. Every major company, Netflix, uh, Amazon themselves, obviously, every major corporation with a few exceptions, maybe Microsoft or maybe um, IBM or someone does because they have their own services. But Amazon is one of the largest web service providers in the world. They're massive. They're scalable. Um, and they have an unbelievable business model. So let me share this with you as an example. First of all, it's pennies. And I mean literally pennies compared to your Dropbox account. Because if you, unless you have a free account and you don't have much storage going on, you're paying anywhere from $9.95 a month or more. I pay and I have probably, I'd say, 400 videos full-length videos that I have in a lot of the different training programs that we use with our clients and our customers. My bill, and I checked it before we went live today, my last month bill, what do you think it was for all of that storage? For 400 videos, that's, that's got to be Plus massive. Plus all of my PDFs and eBooks and everything else, but just for the videos, how much do you think my bill was last month? Uh, man, I mean, I don't need more to guess. Three, four hundred dollars? I don't know. Good guess, and if you're using Dropbox and others, you're going to be approaching that. And this is true story. I'll send. I'll, I'll post a copy of my invoice. Seventy three cents. What? Now, do I have your attention? <laughs> yeah, you do. Okay. So I heard you. I heard your lead in. Let me tell you, that's just one. That's probably the least of all of the reasons to move and start using Amazon S three. Come on, yes. hang on. Let me make sure I have this right. I don't want to misrepresent to our no. audience. You have 400 videos plus all the other stuff that you have, but I know how much bandwidth, how much storage space uh, that videos take, and you paid 73 cents? That is correct. Not per that video. Was my, no, that was, that was my monthly bill for them for all of that storage. Just remember, you have to put it in perspective, kind of take a step back and think, okay, Amazon has probably as much data as any individual company, maybe with the exception of Google, in the world. They, they manage massive data, and they saw early on that they were developing expertise in not only size and scope, but scale, right? So right. as an example, Kelly, let, let me use let me bring this down to, to all of us that are listening on the radio for a minute. So let's, and by the way, you can go create your Amazon S3 account very quick. It's a three or four minute job. And so here's what happens. If you go out, and right now a lot of people listening probably, if they have their company website on HostGator or GoDaddy or Bluehost or, you know, one of the hosting companies out there, right? Right. And let's say that you go put, now that you're an expert in video because you've been listening to our series, um, you have now posted this really cool cat video, right? <laughs> and you're going to host it on your site. Well, let me tell you what happens. And this happens every day. So now you have your, your video that you've created. You want to put it on your site because you're really proud of it. And you, it's not appropriate to put it on something like YouTube because you don't want to have ads. You don't want your competitors showing up on the side and all that, right? So now that you have it hosted, 
uh, and whichever hosting service you use, right? Once you have two or three people, you know, you and Aunt May and Uncle Bobby, that's not going to be a problem. But if you have done an excellent job and you're following all the things you talk about on Business Locker Room to build your business, maybe you have 100 people. Once you get to maybe 50 to 100 people all watched, all going to your site and watching that video, well, guess what? It is going, and I'm saying 100 might be pushing it. It might not even be that many for a lot of these shared hosting services, right? Like Bluehost or GoDaddy, et cetera. But when you get up to that level, very quickly, that website is going to stop. It's going to crash because it's simply not built for that kind of scale. And I'm talking 100, not 1,000 or 10,000, right? So what happens is pretty quickly, and I've had it happen to me um, several years ago, all of a sudden your website crashes, not because of anything other than the load is too much at maybe 100 people trying to watch that hot new video, right? Or maybe it's uh, two or 300 people downloading your latest ebook or a white paper or something, right? So all of a sudden, next thing that happens, your hosting company is going to send you a nasty email saying you can't host these large files, you can't stream videos from this account, etc. That's true. That actually happens. And in some cases, and I came pretty close, but I was able to save it, they, they can actually cancel your account. So they, they promote unlimited storage, unlimited bandwidth, etc. But if you start pushing that limit, even to a certain level, you're going to get shut down. So Amazon S3 is quick, it's easy. The challenge, as it is for a lot of these, these tools, um, is Amazon is a tech company behind the scenes, right? And so it's not quite as easy and pretty of an interface as Dropbox. Right. But it's there and with a little bit of help, and that's obviously where you know us and others out there in the market can provide you a little bit of guidance, whether it's guidebooks or web-based training or whatever, you could literally run a massive organization or a small one-person company all using um, storage capabilities that are on Amazon using the S3 service. Well, I think that's the, the, the greatest uh, illustration of, of how you can use it because if we're advocating video as the next wave, the next generation of content generation and uh, those kinds of things, you've got to have a place to put it because clearly that is an issue. But uh, the interesting thing is, is if you're a company that, for instance, is making training videos for your people, that's not going on YouTube. That doesn't make sense. So you're right. I mean, eventually you get to the point where you've got to have a place to store it, and then it becomes a question of fee. i, I got to be frank with you. I had no idea that it was that inexpensive. I mean, that's crazy. It is, and I'll tell you, the, the piece we haven't even talked about is think about every time you go online to Amazon themselves and order a product or whatever, one of the masters of the universe in the world of online activity is Amazon from a security perspective. If you put these things out and you read about it once a month or so, someone else got hacked or whatever, um, you've got lockdown, high-level enterprise security available for everything that you do within your Amazon account. Now, just as a kind of a maybe we'll do this in a follow-up show at some time, Kelly, there's a lot more services other than this S3 capability within Amazon. As an example, did you know they're one of the largest email distribution companies in the world. No. They, they have a product called SES, which is an email sending service. 
and some of the, in fact, literally the biggest companies in the world, many of them use Amazon to offload or outsource their email to millions and millions and millions of subscribers, especially this time of year for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all this promotional stuff. It, when you go in and look at the code behind that email, you're going to see Amazon SES is embedded as the actual sender, the physical sender of that email to you. Wow, that's interesting. I'm looking at uh, the, the fact that Amazon S3 integrates with a number of other services, and I have never heard of any of these, so I'm sure they're way over my head. But uh, it, it is, it, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued with this whole deal because it seems like it would make it a, a lot easier, especially if, as you suggest, we're dealing with any customer critical data or anything like that. Keeping that on the Amazon platform with their level of encryption really makes a lot of sense. Well, it does. And think about this. The other cool thing is they're a worldwide company. I, believe me, this stuff keeps coming, Kelly. The bottom line is these guys are a worldwide company. So they don't have a data center or two or three. And they're not just in the U.S. or maybe Europe. They have, I think, the last time I heard, like nine massively big worldwide-based data centers. And your information is stored and redundant across all of those. So if, as an example, the earthquake of all earthquakes hits California and it slides off in the ocean, you're not down. They've got that same information in Ireland and uh, wherever it might be across Europe and other parts of the country. I actually manage two accounts within Amazon, one for me and one for a lot of my managed client services we do. And one of them is East, East Coast-based and one of them is West Coast-based. And I watch with, with some smiles from time to time as I see the data has been moved and shared and is now redundant on both East and West Coast, even though it's supposedly housed in one location. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting looking at some of their numbers on their website, and it says that they are <laughs> – this is kind of crazy. They're designed for 99.999999999% durability <laughs> you know there's that's some close enough for me i'm thinking that's gonna work you know yeah. <laughs> just call me crazy well all right so what we're talking about in amazon s3 is if if you do video if you have large data storage requirements uh if you need encryption if you need uh, uh redundancy those are real good reasons to seek out amazon s3 and the final analysis it's extremely cost effective exactly right it is and i think if you're willing to take the time to learn it, uh, and there are resources we can provide um, to help you learn it if you want to, but it's not intimidating. I mean, I, you can go in literally if you're willing to just read a couple help screens, and you can be up and running in half an hour. Get your credit card in there so they can bill you automatically for whatever you you know your charges will be for your seventy three um, cents. Yeah, yeah, right. and and it's okay. in fact it, this is true. And I'll, I'll I'll close my part with this, Kelly, because. I literally, I had to change an account. I had to close down one of my credit cards because it looked like there was some weird activity on it. Got my new card, and I had to move all my billing, all my automatic billing to this new card. True story. My Amazon account got uh, rejected for payment. And so I get the email, and oh, geez, what's going on now? I called. Well, because it was less than a dollar, their policy, the standard policy for this bank, was any charge less than a dollar on a credit card doesn't get processed. So, <laughs> so I, true story. So I had to go in and say, okay, look, I need you to approve this and always approve it from this specific person billing because these things will typically be less than a dollar. And then I very honestly, I got into a conversation with the gal on the phone uh, saying, well, you need to talk to us because you know, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, 
it's just a great example. A lot of misperceptions. It's just one of those things that sounds like it's big business and a lot of data and things. Who cares? There's no reason. I have a Dropbox account that I have very little activity in anymore because most everything I do of any business substance for all the right reasons of price and security and, and redundancy is all based in an S3, S3 account. Hey, that's great stuff. That's why he's the man. He is the uh, web tools guy at fillthefunnel.com. Follow him at Miles Austin. Hey, that's going to do it for today's show. Special thanks to Josh Miles for joining us. Thanks to Michael Sergit for cleaning up all of the messes that I make uh, as our engineer. He's always great on the other side of the glass. And to Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. Miles, great to have you in the X's and O's segment brought to you again by 4D Sales. I'm Kelly Riggs. Hey, we're going to take a week off next week uh, because of travel plans and the holidays. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks right back here on the Business Locker Room on Voice America. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.